Father, it's with gratitude in our hearts that we can come before you today knowing that your, your love and acceptance for us as, as your people. God, we're so thankful for your love. I pray, God, that we would be aware of your presence here right now. Lord, in this place, online, at Bensville, I pray, Lord, that for all of us engaged around your word today, God, that you will take us deeper in that. You'd bring understanding by your spirit. And I pray for every person, me included, that you would do something deep and great in us for your glory, God, for your will to be accomplished. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Can I hear amens this morning? Amen. Amen. It's great to be together, isn't it? Um, Welcome online. Welcome at Bensville. It's great to meet together as the church, to gather like this. It is great. We are in a series at the moment called Being the Church. Um, it's, it's significant to be in the church, a living body with Jesus at the head, at the centre. You and I are part of his church. It's an incredible privilege. And so we're going through the book of Ephesians and we're exploring what does it mean to be the church? What is that like for you and me day to day? How can we be the church and be active with Jesus in his mission in his world? How do we do that? He empowers us for that. And so we're going to kick right off from Ephesians 2. We're up to the second chapter of Ephesians and it says this. It says, once you were dead. It's pretty inspiring, hey? Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. Now, my hope today is that as we engage with this scripture, it's actually quite confronting when we consider our previous reality and our current reality. The contrast is scary. It's it's so full on. So once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, that's you and me. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. That's pretty full on. The commander of the powers of the unseen world, that's the devil. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Now, praise God, that's not the end of the story. But that's the start of the story. That's the start of your story, my story. That because of my sin, because of my disobedience, I was not right with God. Jesus made me right with God and made you right with God. But once, that was my reality. Dead because of disobedience and sin, obeying the devil. Poor. I don't know how you feel about that. That's pretty full on. See, the good news of Jesus is no one has to stay there. Nobody. No one has to stay there because there's a big but, but God is so rich in mercy. How do you see God? Do you see him as an angry God or do you see him rich in mercy? He's rich in mercy and he loved you. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. Praise God. 
For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Jeff spoke about that from Ephesians 1. So God can point to you. God can point to us, the church. He can point to us, which is pretty amazing, in all future ages, including now, as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace. He points to you. And goes, look, there's an example of my grace. Pretty powerful. And kindness towards us is shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Praise God. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So no one can boast about it. No one. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You were saved so that. So that we can be active in God's mission in his world right now. We're saved for a purpose. We were saved because of love and we're saved because of grace. This passage captures something so beautiful about the church, which is you and me, right? Church isn't a place, it's you. It's me. It's anyone who believes in Jesus. We are the church. See, today I want to talk about what it means to live in grace. Because that's the season we're in. If you have a belief in Jesus, you're living in grace. That's your, that's your reality. That's your story. And God will point to you as an example of his grace. Because in my life, there's plenty of examples of his grace, right? So there's plenty of examples of his grace, we're living in grace, but there's a contrast, and this is the contrast, and it's pretty stark. Because we can either choose to live in sin and obey the devil, or live in grace and do good works. Your choice, my choice. I don't know how you feel about that. Just even writing that is so confronting to me, but it fills me with gratitude. Because I'm not living in sin and we're not obeying the devil. There's, I'm living in grace, all because of Jesus. And you are too, if you believe in Jesus. You're living in grace. There's a reality that exists in God's church, in his world, where you and I have the privilege to live in grace every day. To live in grace and kindness and mercy. That's our experience. But Ephesians 2 says that was not always the case. Once we were living in sin, obeying the devil. That's pretty full on. A transfer's been made. It's changed. It's life-changing in the present and eternity. You know, about six years ago, Kel and I had a life change. We moved house. So we were living at Kingcumber. We sold our house there and moved to Tumby and bought a house at Tumby. We were living in one place. A transaction was made. Someone paid the price. And we literally moved to a different suburb and lived from a different suburb because a transaction was made. So we weren't living in Kingcumber. We're living in Tumby. Now, it's the same with this. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and gave his life for you, a transfer's been made. There's been a transaction. Jesus has paid a high price for you, giving his life, and now you live in a different suburb 
if you're a believer in Jesus. You're actually living in grace. Not that I'm saying that King Cumber is sin but, and Tumby's grace, but if you believe in Jesus, sorry if anyone lives in King Cumber, it's a good place to live. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're in his church, you are the church, and you're living in grace. That's where you live. That's your home. It's a different place than where you used to live. Now, this would be really weird, but imagine if I rocked up to my old place today and go, I'm just gonna, I just want to come and live here again for a little bit. Is that right? Weird. They might invite me in for a couple once, but then what if I go back the next day and go, I'm just going to hang out for a little bit. I'm going to live here for a bit again. Or actually, I'm going to stay for a couple of nights. I'm going to live, live in my old place. See, my current reality is that I live in Tumby. And that's my reality. Your reality is that you live in grace. That's truth. But here's the deal. I think sometimes as Christ followers, we can kind of go back to our old place it's not our reality, it's not true, but we're actually living in this place or that's just not in grace. We're, that's still our reality, it still is, we are living in grace, but we kind of try and go back and it's just not the way it is. How can we as the church go, because of Jesus I'm living in grace and I want to stay living in grace because that's my true reality? This is a stark contrast for me because I see sometimes in my life I'm not actually living in grace. Now, your salvation's secure. I'm not saying anything about that, 100%. But why, do we, why does the enemy keep pulling us back into this space that's just full of disobedience and sin and just all yucky stuff where actually our reality is we have moved to a different suburb and we're living in grace? See, if we need to be the church that lives in grace, that breathes grace, that walks, walks in grace. You know, we've, we've reduced this term living in sin to someone who's actually um, in a sexual relationship before marriage. That's, that's not what it is. It's actually choosing to actually, I'm just not, I'm not living in grace. That's our reality. How do we live in that truth? How do we walk in it? Some of the translation talks about walking in grace every day. Or we can just choose to walk in sin. And Now, sin's going to be in our life for the rest of your life. But our reality is we're living in grace. How do we do that more and more? Because that's our true reality. How do we do it? There's a few things I want to explore today because I think there's some realities of living in grace that makes a difference in your and my life every day, and they're true. The first one is, Glenn spoke about it in communion, if you're online and heard that, about the freedom that we have in Jesus. We have been freed once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. We've been freed from that. We used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. All of us used to live that way. But God's so rich in mercy, he loves that, even though we're dead because he gave us life when he raised us from the dead. We have this amazing privilege to be saved from that living in sin stuff to living in grace. What a privilege. 
And do you know it's only by God's grace that you've been saved? It's not even your faith that saves you. It's God's grace that saves you. Praise God. Your faith is how you receive grace. But it's God's grace. You have nothing to do with it. I didn't have anything to do with it. It's all Jesus. Saved by grace. But we're saved to live to live in grace and to live in freedom. That's one of the things, is to live in freedom. Check this out. I'm just going to read it in Romans 6. I'd encourage you to spend some time in it this week. Check this out. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Should we just kind of just stay living in sin? So, Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. That's why I love baptism. It's such a beautiful illustration. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. See, new suburb, new place to live. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, praise God, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. You and I have been freed from the power of sin and death. Praise God. It continues. I love this passage. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Set free. And since we died with Christ, we know we'll also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and we will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. You and I live in grace. We live in grace. That's our reality. It continues. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of the devil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Amen. Praise God. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. My hope is that you and I understand we've been set free. We no longer live in sin, obeying the devil. We live in grace. But if you're anything like me, I have a tendency to keep going to go back to the old house. It's like I'm living, I want to live in grace. I want to be empowered by grace. I want to understand that, that I'm living, that's my place that I live from and we've been set free. I think sometimes we think freedom is you can do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. That's not freedom. Freedom is actually being set free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. That's you and me. That's what you were talking about before, Glenn, in communion. How can we live in grace? Baptism, if you haven't been baptised yet and you're a follower of Jesus, I'd encourage you to do it. They're happening next week. You can jump in. It's a great illustration of this principle that living in grace means that you live free. You and I live free of the power of sin and death. That's huge. Here's the reality. If you don't, if you don't, you still live in that space where, where sin's controlling you. You're still living in that space where where you're actually just letting sin and culture and everything around you shape you. You're freed from that. You're freed to live in grace. Let's live in that consistently. You see, the other thing that's powerful about living in grace is that our identity changes. So I think sometimes we allow this 
this living in sin, that kind of space to be the place that defines us. It should never define you. Your identity is in Jesus. Your identity is living in grace. That's your truth. I love it where it says this in Ephesians, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and he seated you and I with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. You've been included. You've been invited into Jesus' life all because of his grace. Your identity is completely different. Your identity is in Jesus. That's pretty full on. Jesus is ultimate authority in the heavenly realms, and you're seated with him in that. That's your identity. I don't know how you feel about that. That's pretty cool. So as Christian people who have this living in grace... We can have an identity that's totally grounded in Jesus. That's security. That's foundational. That you can stand on that for the rest of your life. You know, one of the things I reckon that's in um, crisis mode in our world, that's identity crisis. Especially our young people. They don't know who they are. They need the good news of Jesus to give them the identity that they are adopted into the family of God and that they are seated with Jesus, the most powerful being, person, God. They're in relationship with him and he thinks they're good. In fact, they're loved. Too often our culture, our peers, our Instagram accounts for our young people shape our identity. We have an identity crisis. You know, and if, if you're engaged here online or Ben's, or if you, if you consider yourself young, which is probably most people in this room, I reckon, but the youngest of us, I, I want to encourage you to be really, really careful in that space. Your identity, if you actually ask the question, well, who am I really? And you go to God's word to find the answer to that, you will find an amazing truth that God loves you, that you're adopted into his family, you're included, and you are grounded in him. In fact, you're seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus. That's your identity. And if we own that progressively, it doesn't matter what goes on around us, nothing can shake that. That is core to who we are. I love this passage in 1 Corinthians. It says it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. You can't find it any other place. You won't find it in your culture. You won't find it in your school or your university. You find it in Jesus. It's actually in Jesus that you find out who you are and what you're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on you. He had his eye on you. He had designs for us, for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. I don't know about you, but identity is key. Living in grace is actually living in the identity that you belong to Jesus. You're seated with him in the heavenlies. Totally loved because of his grace. I love that thought that God points to you as examples of his grace. He goes, look, they're mine, they're loved. It's not about their behaviour, it's about who they are and their mind. You're loved, you're accepted, you're wanted, you're included. When we own that truth, 
and living that grace with gratitude that that's my true reality, man, that's an identity that you can carry with you for eternity. And your peers won't shake that. The culture won't shake that. And you'll go deeper and deeper in understanding who you are. The other thing about living in grace rather than living in sin, because this transfer is made, that's our reality, is that we are actually delivered and freed and given an identity to do good works. Like that's, that's the why. See, living in grace means that you and I have purpose every day. Every day. You have a purpose every day. When you wake up tomorrow morning and even for the rest of today and any other day that God gives you, you have a purpose in your spirit because you're part of the church. And your purpose is to actually do good works in so many different variety of ways. What a privilege. It's only by his grace that that can even happen. But because of God's grace, he's purposed you for good works. It says that in Ephesians. We've read it before. God saved you by his grace when you believed. So your belief actually received the grace. You can't take credit for this. Nothing to do with you. It's a complete gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. But we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, God's got a purpose and he wants you in it. His church is his purpose in the world. And for some reason, he chooses to partner with you and me in that purpose, to share the good news, to be salt and light, to be influencers, to be agents of kindness. To be people who can understand that they're living in grace, so therefore we pass on grace to others. You, you have an amazing purpose. And it's really your presence in your identity that does most of that. And then we're called to do good works in lots of different ways. You're designed for a purpose. I tell you what, living in grace, it's the best way to live. Like if we choose not to do that, and there's plenty of people in our world that don't even know that they have an invitation to live in grace. And so there's people living in that sin without realising it, obeying the devil. That's what the Bible says. Not, not knowing that they're free from that. Not knowing that they have an identity in Jesus that's rock solid and it's a, an identity of love. And actually not living with a real purpose. You and I have this amazing privilege to live in grace and to live with purpose. That's why our mission model is follow, gather, go. We want to follow Jesus personally, want to gather together as the church and be encouraged so that we can go and do all the good works God planned for you to do, for me to do, for us to do together. Our cafe is one of the good works. It's pretty cool. We're doing it together. Lots of things we can do together. Lots of things you can do by yourself, but we're together. So we follow, we gather and go. And I love where it says no one can boast about any of this stuff. Have you ever met someone where you just know it's all about them? Yeah? Hopefully there's no elbow nudging going on right now. But some people, I don't get it. It's just they ooze that it's all about me. It's like, ugh. Look how good I am. Like some people live that way. And it's, it's probably because they don't understand their identity. And they're already good enough in God's eyes. But it's not about you. It's not about 
boasting about anything. It's not about any good work that can get you in good with God because you're already good in good with him anyway. So you can't really kind of go, look at all the good stuff I've got. Andy Stanley's written a great book called How Good Is Good Enough. It's a great little book if you want to read that, if we're exploring that. There's still, there's still this funny thinking in our minds that, yeah, if I do enough good stuff, maybe God will like me. Maybe I'll be accepted by God. I don't know where that theology comes from, but it's not right. So we're not boasting about anything. There's nothing we can do to receive grace other than believe, praise God. It's a free gift. And we're not doing good works to make ourselves look good or to get in good with God. Yet at the same time, we're saved for good works. And so we want to be active and participating with God in his mission with good works. I mean, you probably know, maybe you don't, part of our mission statement at Coast Community is to actually empower people according to gifting. Like God's gifted you for good works. He's gifted you for good works. He's gifted us for good works and he wants us to do it, but it's all about him. And we need to direct it to him all the time. But that doesn't mean, the other extreme I see is, no, I'm, I'm not really good enough, I can't do that. Or God wants you to do it. He's purposed you for good works. Praise God. And we see that all the time. That's being the church. Through his grace and us living in grace, you've been invited into the mission of God. There's no better place you can be. There's no better place I can be. I love Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians, so I run with purpose in every step. How can we lift our intentionality as we live in grace to be purposeful in every step? Because God's gifted you for good works. He's purposed you for good works. He's planned it long ago. And now's the time because you're alive. Now's the time because you're in the church. And he's prepared good works for you and me to do. And you can back the giver of the gifts. You can. It's not about you, but it's about him. And so because it's about him and he's gifted you for good works, you can back the giver of the gifts. And you can step out even when you don't think you're ready, even if you don't think you're good enough, even if you don't think you can. If you're gifted for it, you're purposed for it, God will work through you. Any amens? I'm talking about you and me and us, the church. God has purposed you to live in grace and to work through you powerfully by his spirit. He's gifted you for it. And you can back him. You can back him on that. Um, did anyone, when they drove in this morning here at Tumby, see the, the beautiful mural on the side of the wall? Yeah, did anyone see it? Here it is if you didn't see it. Um, thanks to Leanne and Meredith and Bronte and Connor. It's pretty cool. Connor Meredith, if you're at Bensville there, thanks for your work on that. It's a good example of good works. Now, that's an extremely creative edge. You don't have to be creative to do good works. God will use you in so many variety of ways. That's why he has the church, because there's so many variety of gifts. But this happens to be a creative one, and I love it. How good is that? What a, what a welcome to Coast Community. Better days. Here's the deal. There's another one of these logos to go, and Leanne might get me in trouble for this. See this Better Days logo? There's another one of those to go right next to the serving window of the cafe. So it's right there where people stand. And, and these guys, when they first saw it, they're going, oh, we can't do that. The people will be right there. We can't do that. I, could, I couldn't do that. They're going, I reckon you can. They're going, no, I don't think we can. 
and going, well, how about, we'll get a quote from a professional cyanide anyway, but I still reckon you can do it. How about you practice on that one and see how you go? And they did. What do you reckon? Can I, can I, give, you, can I give you a close-up? This is hand-painted on the side of the wall. Now, at Bensville and Tumby, I want to actually see a raise of hands. Who reckons these guys can do the other logo? I don't think they saw one more try. Who reckons they can do it? Who reckons they can back the gift God's given them? Yeah. Sorry to embarrass you. Sorry to embarrass you. It's awesome. And they can do that because God's gifted them to do that. And we can back the gift because we can back the giver of the gift. And God wants to use you and me and his church on purpose to do all of the variety of good works he planned long ago. That's what it means to live in grace. It can only happen because of the grace of God. Leanne can't do that in her own strength. That's a direct gift from God. God's gifted you. He's purposed you. He's put people around you. He's actually showing you ways that you can be an influence. You can show love. You can show kindness. You can show grace. You can help someone understand that they're loved by Jesus. God wants to use you for that and me for that, us for that. Good works plan long ago. So we have this funny dynamic where our previous story, but unfortunately it's the current story for too many people in our world, that they're living in this sin space. And it doesn't have to be that way. Because a transfer has been made, praise Jesus, that we now live in a different world. We live in a a world that is living in grace, complete grace. You don't deserve it. It's not about that. It's nothing to do with you. It's all to do with Jesus. He gives you his grace so you can live in it every day. And living in grace, there's so much in that. I could speak on that forever. But today, it's understanding with gratitude that you've been freed from living in sin. You're actually in a different suburb. You've been freed from that. Living in grace is living in freedom, understanding that the power of sin and death, you've been freed from that, praise God. Living in grace means that you have an identity that's rock solid in Jesus. You are loved. You're accepted. You belong in his family. He loves you. He likes you. He wants you on his team. That changes your identity. That changes what happens around you if you live from that place. People need to understand and answer the question, well, who am I? Jesus has the answer to that question. Nowhere else. But we carry that good news. And living in grace means that you have a purpose. You have a purpose every day to wake up and go like the classic, what's next, Papa, in the message paraphrase. God, what are we up to today? And some of that will be planned good works and some of that will be spontaneous. You don't even know what it is yet. But there'll be some way that God will want to work through you because you're part of his church. You're part of the influence in the world that he has and wants to have. You're part of the solution for people's lives that are living in this sin. So can I encourage you and me to be people that understand that a transfer has been made. We're living in grace. And we need to own it and live it 
and walk in it and breathe it. Stay there so that we can be his church that carries grace on purpose to all the people around us. Our world needs to live in grace. And you and I are as believers in Jesus. God wants to work through us, see more and more people live in grace. What a stark contrast. It's tragic. People don't understand that they can live in grace. We're the church. We're present. We're alive and active because God's spirit is in his church. He's in you and me as believers. And he wants us to live in grace for his glory. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you so much for your grace. Lord, I pray, Lord, that for anyone, all of us now gathered around this truth, I pray, God, that you would take that so deep and I pray, God, that you'd raise our gratitude to a point that it's never been before. God, we are so grateful because of what you did, Jesus, that we live in grace, that we've, we've had life change. We're actually living in a different space. We're living in grace. We're so thankful, God. I pray, God, that you'd help us to live out of that reality every day. Lord, that we can be agents of grace, the news of your grace. God, I thank you that you've freed us, God. You've freed us from the power of sin and death. We thank you and we praise you. We're so grateful. Lord, today we just get a, a sense of the, a, just a touch of that contrast. It's absolutely black and white. God, you've freed us from darkness and sin and death. And thank you that we can live in grace. Lord, I pray, God, that today you would continue to take us deeper in understanding who we are in our identity. Ground us in you, Jesus, in your truth about who we are, how you see us, God, as loved and blessed. And God, I pray that you'd help us to live in purpose, that understanding that living in grace means that we have a purpose every day. Help us to say yes to that and be active in that and to trust you in that. Trust the way that you've gifted us, you've given us passions and desires, God. And Lord, whatever gifting that is or whatever spontaneous way we can love someone, show kindness to someone or have a conversation with someone about you, Jesus, I pray, God, that you would use us to fulfill the purposes and the good works you planned long ago. So, God, we want to commit that to you today. I pray, God, that you would empower us by your grace to live in your grace. Thank you, God, that that's our reality. We are so blessed. We Thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen.